Hello everybody, welcome to episode 20 of Dreadful Talk. Um, sorry I didn't warn nobody I was going live, anything like that. Um, today's episode, you know, came together a little bit differently than, than usual. I had a guest um, back out at kind of the last minute and um, kind of had to rearrange, reshuffle some things. But I'm here, I'm here for y'all and just, you know... You got to adapt, man. You got to adjust to adversity, like, or else you're just never making, regardless of what, what it is that you're trying to do, like, you got to accomplish what you set out to accomplish that day, you know, um, and you can't let what other people affect that. Like, even something that's, like, connected as, like, obviously my guest is going to impact my podcast. But when that guest backs out, you know, am I going to pussyfoot around or make an excuse or, oh, I guess I'll take this week off? No. Just got to pivot, adjust, roll with the punches, baby. I suggest you do the same. That's what we do here on Dreadful Talk. Man, you may notice this good-looking fucking shirt I'm wearing. This first round, first generation of Dreadful Talk merch um, finally came in. Makes me so goddamn proud and happy. Um, fortunately, they're pretty much already all gone. Um... I could cap and flex and say they're sold out, but it was a pretty small run, and I pretty much gave them out to family and friends just for fucking with me, for showing support. Um, definitely will not be the last um, t line I make. I'm going to do many more. I want to do other colors. I want to do more of these colors, more sizes. Um, for some reason, I ordered a bunch of extra larges, thinking that because I wear an extra large, it's my selfish ass. Like, oh, this is obviously the size of a human. So I, I should have ordered more small sizes, maybe even some kid sizes. Um, we're, we're just getting started on the merch, but I'm super proud of it. Shout out to Denton Visual. He's the one that hooked up the shirts and made them. So if you need, you got a business, you got a charity, you got really anything, you need, you need some, some shirts made, hit up De at Denton Visual um, on Insta, on a lot of all social media platforms. He's a good dude to work with, no, definitely reasonable. Um, and, and then that leads me to our, our other sponsor. Well, you know, Den Visual's not even a sponsor. I, I paid him, but I, I'm really satisfied and I'm happy and he was great to work with. So that's just like an authentic review. That's not even a sponsor. But uh, when we'll get to the sponsor right here. That shout out to Zach Brown, once again, sponsoring the podcast. Thank you so much, brother. Um, who's Zach Brown, you may ask? Zach Brown, man, he's a good man that you need to know. If you're looking to get some real estate, if you're looking to insure the real estate that you already purchased, he does property insurance, or if you're trying to insure yourself, life insurance. So he can do real estate, life insurance, properties insurance. Very talented man, man of many, many businesses, and um, just a good man to know. And you can reach him at 405-255-7867. That's 405-255-7867. His name is Zach Brown. He can help you with the life insurance, property insurance, and real estate. Mainly focused in Oklahoma and Texas region, but if you're outside of that, I'm sure he'll be, you know, can work something out or find a way to work with you for sure. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of said I had to pivot. Um, I, had, I had a guest lined up, you know, penciled in, but life happens. And this isn't me. I'm not mad at him. We're, we're going to get him back on the podcast. A good friend of mine. I um, was really looking forward to it, can't lie, um, but, you know, life happens. Like, you have to be able to adjust. You just have to. Um, you just have to. If you get, like, this rigid, like, 
it's good. It has to go this way or it's just, it's not going to happen. Like you'll never make no progress on nothing. And you got to be able to zig and zag and just roll with the punches. So yeah, no shade at all. It's just the fact of the matter. I had to readjust the show, re-change the time, do a few different on the fly adjustments. And I'm, I'm doing a solo one, which some, some podcasters don't like to do solo shows. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I'm naturally a talkative person. And like when I have a guest on, I'm, going to great lengths and effort to not step on them and to not talk over because I'm just naturally impulsive. I like to hop in the conversation. So sometimes it's good for me to do a solo one just to kind of get it out of my system and, you know, let them words roll off my tongue and just get some things off my chest that I'll need to get off my chest. And, and that's essentially what I'm doing this week. Um, this is a topic that... I find myself talking about a lot, like a lot, something I'm passionate about. I'm not the only one. I'm not saying this makes me unique or anything, but this is just something that I live in here in the Bay Area. I live here in San Jose, California, South Bay. Um, shout out 408. But, uh, you know, I, it, it's something that we have to encounter a lot here in the Bay Area, and, and it's homelessness. And I know they have homelessness everywhere, but like here in the Bay Area, it's like a, it's, a, it's like a really like ramped up a notch than maybe if you're watching from a state east of the Rockies. Um, it's 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 really insane here. Like it's really crazy. Like I know like Rogan spends a lot of time talking about it. I mean, any, Joey Diaz. Um, you know, pretty much anybody. If you're like in, if you're in California, like that's like a topic you can bring up instead of the weather because the weather's usually pretty fucking good out here. So there's usually not too much to talk about on the weather front. So you can talk about your last crazy homeless encounter or how the homeless encampment at the end of your block is growing or, you know, it's something almost every Bay Area resident and I'm pretty sure LA resident can relate to um, for the most part, obviously, you know, unless you're, you know, privileged off in the hills or whatever, but it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a real, it's a real thing and it's a delicate issue and it's an unpopular issue and, and I feel like that's why no progress gets made on it. And that's what I'm here to do. Like, I'm going to make statements during this podcast where, like, you know, left-wingers will probably think I'm a fascist. And I'm going to make, you know, other statements where right-wingers listening will probably think I'm a bleeding-heart liberal hippie. And that's how I, I know that I'm, I'm usually right par for the course. Because if you start getting any one of them assholes agreeing with you too much, you may need to check yourself. Because, you know, both sides can be seriously flawed. Um, but, yeah, you know, you know how we like to get these podcasts started. And this is a special little bowl right here. Not the piece itself, although I do love it, but I grew this. This is the first batch of Cure Bud that I ever grew myself. Very proud of it. Very interesting experience. I, I From seed, it wasn't a clone. Grew it from seed, grew it, harvested it, dried it, cured it, all that. And here's the fruits of my labor. After I didn't know it was strain. That was literally just a seed I had uh, from like uh, some other bud I had back in the day. So don't even know the strain. I want to say it's sativa dominant though. It's not too heavy. It's really nice. It actually tastes really good. Like I definitely bought worse weed than this. I'm pretty damn proud of myself. Very tasty. Very nice. Very nice. But yeah. You know, this is an unpopular topic, and it's like so unpopular, and some people feel like it's just like an unsolvable problem. 
And then other people feel like it's controversial to even call it a problem. And then that's why there's no progress can be made. Because, like, you know, it's kind of like if, you have, if you're sick and it's like the doctor can't cure it until they diagnose it. And then, like, this is, like, so controversial that no doctor even wants to take a look at you to diagnose it. But I it, trust me, it's a problem. Like, it's a problem. Like, it's... Now, whether you want to consider it, like, you know, a property owner problem or, like, a humanitarian problem... Either way, it's a problem, and there's a lot of lenses you can like view this topic through. And it, I, I, like I said, I realize it's a delicate topic, uh, unpopular topic. But God, it's something I just find myself talking about all the time living here in the Bay Area. Like I'm, because you just come face to face with it, whether you want to or not. You're just constantly confronted with it. And, and like you know, like I said, whenever you get together with other people, like it's a topic of conversation. Like if you live out here. Um, as I know, like, Ro, it had a big lot to do with guys like Rogan and Diaz leaving L.A. And I, said, I don't I don't spend much time in L.A. I, I've been to L.A. like once or twice in my life. Um, it's very different from the Bay Area, just almost in every like capacity. I know a lot of people think all of California is just like L.A. or it's not that different. First off, it's eight hours apart driving. Like, I, I can, if I had a dollar for every time that I had a friend land in um LA or San Diego and be like, Dom, come link up. How far away are you from San Jose? I'm like, bro, that's an eight, nine hour drive. That's like driving from Oklahoma City to Houston. For those that like don't realize how big California is and how different, you know, it is just climate wise, culture wise, just almost in every regards. But almost essentially the one thing we have in common is, is this, this homelessness issue. And, um, it's really wild. It's really wild. And it's, um, it's something I can, I've come full circle on, it, and that's part of what I want to talk about on this episode, episode 20 of Dreadful Talk Podcast. Um, you know, we're, we're now available on Spotify, on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, I believe Amazon Music, I mean, essentially Anchor, um, anywhere you want to find your podcast, we have audio, or the visual is only on YouTube if you want video, um, or tune in live to my Instagram, at Dreadful Talk Dom. And you can catch them live. Um, but after the shameless plug of myself, you know, I, it's, it's something I've come full circle on. Like when I, um, when I first, first moved to the Bay Area, which was in 2016, I was like 22 years old, I think, maybe just turned 23. And it, I was super sympathetic, like super sympathetic. I, uh. I just, the homelessness, I, you know, I thought they were victims. I, um, you know, I, I was just constantly giving them money out of my pocket. And I, I was like a click away from being homeless myself. So, you know, it's, it, it I, when I first moved out here, I, I, I was on one side of the spectrum that like, damn, like I feel bad for these people. It's hard out here in the Bay. Like, you know, it's a, how can I help these people? And I still feel that way, you know, at the root, at the root of it, at the base of it. But at the end of the day, like living with it, you start to realize it's more of a problem as well as which either way you're looking at it, it's a problem. That's what I'm saying here. Like um, whether it's a problem on how to help them or how to get rid of them or, or how to what the deal, either way you look at it, whatever side of the spectrum, it's still a problem. And um like, I mean, there'd be times I would go to San Francisco just, like, kind of on some tourist shit, just, like, having fun, drinking, whatever. And I'd say I had, like, 200 bucks in my pocket. 
I mean, I'd probably give out like 20, 30, 40 bucks to homeless people over the course of that night. Just, you know, a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. Just because like, I mean, you know, I was like, I just felt bad. Like, you know, here I am, you know, I'm drinking, you know, $12 whiskey and Cokes or whatever the fuck I was drinking, $8 Coronas or whatever the fuck, expensive ass San Francisco bar prices. And it's like, and then, you know, here's a guy out here homeless, can't you know, can't eat, whatever the case may be. And, and and I just, there's like this guilt factor. So it's like, if I just ran up a $60 bar tab, who am I to not give the, this homeless dude five bucks or, or whatever. So like I said, when I first moved out here, I was very much on like that side of the spectrum, um, very sympathetic. And I just want to get that part of cr point across because you know, as this podcast go on, I may seem more callous, more harsh, more, some may say intolerant, but just keep in mind where I started. They started with the benefit of the doubt. That's what I think I'm going to, I'm going to call it here. The benefit of the doubt. Like, um, I, that I started off way over here. So if, if anybody wants to accuse me of ending up way over here, you know, it was a process of how I got there. It was, it, it, it was earned. It wasn't just, you know, I just changed my mind one day, fickle. Like it was, it was just a, like, oh my, I just woke up. I realized what was really happening. Um, just through experience and research and other people's stories, just a, a vast, you know, number of resources, but it all like aggregates into just like a, a paints a clearer picture, you know, and the longer you're here, the longer you're around it, the more people you talk to that have been here even longer than you, they're the root of the problem, the gut, like it's a multifaceted problem. So you know, I want to get into all that. Um, when my opinion and kind of sentiment on this issue started to kind of, the pendulum started to swing, was like, it would just be like little comments here or there. Like, um, you know, a homeless person comes up to you and asks you if you have any change in your pocket. Very common thing, especially out here. Um, so, and, and, and you know, you have a couple options. You can either just, you can ignore them and just keep walking, don't say nothing. Um, you know, you can lie and say no, or you may like legitimately, a lot of people use cards and shit these days, you know, and a lot of people don't carry change in their pockets anymore. Um, or you can, you know, reach in your pocket. Oh, I do have some change. Here you go and keep it pushing. Like, I'm not counting it. I don't keep an exorbitant amount of change in my pockets. It's just, you came up to ask me for some change. I give you some change. It's just however much it happens to be, dog. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and I would just get comments like, oh, that's it? That's all you gonna give me? Like, I shit you not. I shit you not. You think... And I, and I, don't, I want to avoid this. I want to avoid painting with a broad stroke here. But, so, like, I'm not saying every homeless person's like that. But the, the number of times, that, was, that wasn't, that was like, a one-off. That wasn't an isolated thing. Like, that started, like, you know, or, or even sometimes you give somebody a paper dollar or two dollars even. And, and they'll, um, you know, I had this one lady, homeless homeless lady, I gave her, I, I want to say it was $2. I could be wrong. It may have just been $1, but it was cash. It wasn't even uh, like change. And then she looked at me and, and, and uh, cause you know, usually they'll keep it pushing or whatever. I was actually getting into my car. So like I couldn't walk off really. 
And, and she stands there and she said, I deserve more. Not, can you spare more or anything else? Or even asking, can I have more? All of which would have been still whack, but more acceptable choices. She used the words, I deserve more and kept her hand held out. That was like an eye-opening moment, like a like, oh shit. She's not a victim. She's a goddamn hustler. I mean, take, she's the one taking advantage. She's not being taken advantage of. She's taking, like, she's working that angle hard. Which, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I guess that's what she's doing. But that just, like, the audacity, the, that blew my mind. That was like a pivotal shift. And that happened after I had already been here for a couple of years. Like, I mean, the bleeding heart shit probably went on until about, like, 2018. Probably a couple of years. Like I said, just incidents like this just continue to build up. Um, or even, like... Um, like, like what I would do a lot, you know, homeless people love hanging out outside 7-Elevens. Um, 7-Eleven will have deals like they have like their own little 7-Eleven brand of smart water. It even like comes in like the kind of tall little bottle or whatever. I actually like it. You get two for one. Um, so instead of buying, you know, two separate ones, you get a bunch of fucking good quality water for really fucking cheap. And so what I would almost always do is uh, like I buy, buy, the, buy one, get one, right? So I'd keep the one I bought and give one to a homeless person. Because, like, say, like, they ask you for money on the way in, and you give them water on the way out. Like, like I don't have money, but here you go. I'm still, like, doing you a solid. You're asking for stuff. And, like, you know, you'll have homeless people turn down food, turn down water. But, you know, claim to really be hurting, you know. And it's just, um, it just chisels away. It chis Every time something like that happens, like, I started off as, like, just like a, you know, I, it's just as a rock. And it's every time... A rock of like solidarity and empathy. And then every time, you know, somebody asks for more or is ungrateful or refuses food or refuses water, just being a scumbag, being intimidating, being a piece of shit. Every time it just chisels away at that rock of empathy and of solidarity and of sympathy. And, and, and you start to just be like, it just sours you, it sours on you. And it, was, it took me a couple of years to kind of pivot and really kind of wake up and realize that, you know, these people weren't as helpless as some people like to lead on. Um, and like, it's a real problem out here, man. And like, uh, and this is the part that like the, the liberals are probably going to hate. But like those, I remember like a while back, I don't remember exactly when, I'm not the most political guy, but uh, a while back, um, Trump was like running these commercials, kind of like trashing Nancy Pelosi. And it was like showing like San Francisco streets and how there was like human shit everywhere. It was like a viral YouTube video. I think it was an actual commercial maybe that ran on TV. Maybe I'm not exactly sure. I know I saw it. And it was like a big talking point for Trump or whatever, you know, trying to trash Pelosi. The, the thing is, like, that shit is true as fuck. Like, that wasn't exaggerated. Like, I've walked the streets of San Francisco many times and seen many, many, many piles of human shit. Like, 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 
99% of American cities, if you're walking and you see shit on the ground, like, it's like probably a safe bet to assume that it's dog shit, right? Like, like if, you, if you're walking through your neighborhood, those listening, those watching, you're walking through your neighborhood and, and, and you step in shit or you see shit on the little by the sidewalk or in the grass or wherever you see it. You just, I mean, it's safe to say it's a dog. I mean, maybe if you live in the woods, it may be deer shit or bear shit or something, but it's, it's animal shit, right? Like in San Francisco, mind you, it's like a concrete, like, like it's mainly, it's like a big, big city. Like, uh, you're walking and you see shit on the ground, like, that's human shit, like, guaranteed, guaranteed. And, uh, and there is a reason for that. The reason is, even, like, as a tourist, it sucks, and it still kind of leads back to the homeless people. Um, and, like, there's a huge, huge opiate crisis in San Francisco, which there's also, like, right next to the pile of shit will be needles. Like, legit, you're, like, stepping over shit and use needles. I shit you not. It's so horrible. Gross, disgusting, trippy, weird, fucked up. It's crazy. Even in, like, nice parts, like, or what I guess used to be nice parts of San Francisco. Like, for real, it's gnarly, y'all. And, uh, but the reason is the, the opiate crisis is too big. You can't really have pu public toilets or they'll just be people in there shooting up and leaving needles everywhere. And, and it's bad. They, they have a select few that are like these capsules that are like timed and then they like rinse out, you know, um, really fast uh like it's great it's it's kind of a good solution there's needs to be more of them but you know they're not always accessible or sometimes they're out of order like people be overdosing in them and dying in them and shit it's fucked up like for real and so like and like businesses won't let you use their bathroom because if they let people use their bathroom people would go in their bathrooms and shoot up and die and fuck and jerk off and all types of fucked up shit so you just like if you're like and it sucks as it's like a fantastic bar town, fantastic drinking town, um, a lot of a million delicious restaurants and fun places to drink, and it's like one of the best. I I I know it sounds like I'm shitting on San Francisco. I love San Francisco, and that's why it's like so disturbing to see all this shit when you go there, because like everything's super expensive and like there's but it's at the same time it's just filthy and disgusting and it's. It's really weird, like, kind of dichotomy there, side by side. Um, and, and, and so you can't use the bathroom anywhere, really. I mean, obviously, if you're eating at a restaurant or drinking at a bar, but, I mean, who hasn't, you know, you're kind of hop, bar hopping around bars. You take a piss, you know, before you leave one bar, but you've been pounding brews, and it's like, say, it's like a mile walk to the next bar, and you got to piss halfway there, like, good luck. You're not finding anywhere to piss, like, especially if you're a female. So, these homeless, and especially nobody's going to let a homeless, like, you know, if you go in there looking nice, dressed nice, clearly not homeless, maybe somebody might let you use their bathroom. But ain't nobody, you know, ain't no business owner about to let no homeless person use their bathroom. And some people may look at that and be like, oh, isn't that fucked up? But, like, my, my mom was a small business owner. My mom um, owned two salons, and, uh, and, and so I, I kind of sympathize with small business owners. And, like, I would, t if my mom had a hair salon in San Francisco, I'd be like, you better not let no homeless people go in there. You're going to be dead bodies. Like, literally, it's going to be a nightmare. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, they'll go in there, use drugs, and die for real. Like, it happens all the time. Like, for real. And, um, 
So, so yeah, there's actual piles of human shit, like, everywhere in San Francisco as a result of the major, major, major homeless problem. Like, like the homeless problem is bad here in San Jose. Like, at the end of my block and at the end of one block over, there's two large, like, essentially what can be described as Hoovervilles. Like, a block and a half away, they're, like, actually building, like, wooden structures, like, uh, like uh, over by the, the interstate, by... Um, I-280. I live right by I-280. And, like, they're, like, actually, like, building wooden, like, semi-permanent, like, structures. Uh, if you don't know what a Hooverville is, goddammit, open a history book. And it's, like, in the Great Depression, like, Grapes of Wrath era, they would build, like, these shanty towns. Like, in, in Africa, they call them, I think, shanty towns. Like, just made out of whatever the fuck you can find. Car parts, wood, plywood, just whatever. Just kind of these shacks and... and and that's what's happening here. And then that's San Jose. And but you take that and in San Francisco, it's times a hundred. Like it's so ridiculously gnarly. Like I've had some close calls in San Francisco with homeless people. Like like for real. Like trying to get in your car and like, damn, am I gonna have to fight this dude? Like like I've I've had to definitely scare a couple off. And like I mean I'm I'm 5'10", 230, like former college linebacker, you know, been in a scrap or two in my day. And like so, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm not, not by no means the scariest guy in the world, but I'm just saying, like, if I would have looked differently or say I'd have been a female or a small little weenie man, like, who knows how them situations could have gone left. But, like, I've had to, like, you know, kind of buck up and, like, make these homeless people, like, make a business decision. Like, damn, am I about to fight this, you know, young, strong dude who is not fucking around? Or am I going to keep it pushing and quit fucking with him and his old lady? But if I had, like, like I said, if I was a different kind of cat, if I wasn't cut the way I am or looked the way I look or the size strong as I am, like that situations could have gone left. Like I, I, like, like seriously, probably over ten times the scenarios like that happen. Like for real, like they're aggressive. Like it's not like the maybe the image of your head of like homeless people just like helpless, shaking. Like no, these motherfuckers are aggressive. They'll talk shit. They'll literally throw shit at you. I mean, they're just shooting up heroin in the streets. Like. I, like, my boy, I'll never forget my boy Rodney. Shout out Papa Rod. Um, go listen to his single, Hit Him Where It Hurts, on Spotify. And, man, great song. But uh, Papa Rod, it's a good friend of mine. He's on episode eight of the podcast if you want to go listen to that and see, learn more about him. But a great friend of mine. But he came to visit me, and we went out in San Francisco, and we were drinking and having a good old time, and we were pretty fucked up. And uh, we were just, like, walking through the streets. And I just, I step over this homeless person just because that's what you do in San Francisco. Like, you're quite literally have to step over homeless people, dodge shit, dodge needles. And this fool is, like, asleep with, like, a knee, tied off with a needle in his arm. And Rodney looks down and, like, is, like, super sketch. And I'm not, like, that's not to, like, call Rodney, like, soft or clown. Like, no, like, that's how you should react. Like, that shit shouldn't be normal. Like, I don't even know if he was dead. Like, he, there's a decent chance he was dead. Maybe not. Probably not nodding off or whatever. But he could have been, like, a dead homeless dude. Like you said, he was tied off with a needle, like, sleep. Just laid out. Who knows if he was dead? I didn't, I wasn't checking. And he was kind of shook. My boy Rod, Papa Rod, was kind of shook a little bit. And like I said, that's as, as one should be. Like, that shit shouldn't be normal in the most expensive city on earth. Like... 
you know, rich history. I mean, like I said, I love San Francisco, but there's just like this love-hate relationship, like this dichotomy. Of, like, there's so much good there and so much bad there. And it's not like other cities. Everybody's like, oh, well, that's pretty much every city. In other cities, it's like, you know, that shit's in the hood or, you know, you can avoid certain areas. Like in San Francisco, you'll be in the main touristy, like all the shit you done seen on TV and all the like nice business districts, all fashion districts. It don't fucking matter where you're at at the capital. You're probably going to see somebody shooting up heroin or stepping over shit or stepping over needles like dead ass. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, these are all first-hand eyewitness accounts. This isn't me like saying what I saw on the news or watching YouTube videos. Like, no, these are stories from like, I've spent, I've been in the Bay for four years now and I've spent a decent amount of time in SF. And, and this is all shit that I've seen. And it's like, and I'll, and I'll be real, I'm usually pro poor people. I've grown up poor by a lot of people's standards. I still am poor. Doing all right, don't worry about me. But my point is, I usually side with people on like the, the poor and the things like I, I, I tend to lean that way. I'm sympathetic to the cause. But I'm somebody who's trending upwards and I don't plan on staying here forever. And what I'm getting at is one day I want to be a homeowner. I don't know if it'll be here um, or where it'll be, but. Like, I, I do sympathize for these homeowners. I mean, everybody who, I mean, in case you live under a rock, San Jose, San Francisco, the Bay Area in general, probably the most expensive place to buy a house in America. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'll get into housing costs a little bit later in the podcast more specifically, but it's, it's, it's super insane. Like, like an average three-bedroom house that would cost like 180 grand in Oklahoma was worth a million dollars here, depending on where it's at. Um, it's really wild. And so, like, I sympathize for these people. And then you have to pay your property taxes based on what your house is worth now, not what you bought it for. That's another fucked up thing that happens here in the Bay. So even people that got in and bought houses before the tech boom, they're still paying the taxes on a million-dollar house, even if they're, they bought the house for $100,000 back in the 70s or 80s. It's It's crazy. And so these people, they, they own this property that's supposedly worth all this money and they're paying, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars in property taxes based on like recent valuations of said property. And, and, and there's literally Hoovervilles and homeless encampments in tent cities across the street or at the end of the cul-de-sac or on the other side of the wall or just, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Like, like, like I'm not saying like, like if you would expect that, you know what I mean? If you were living in the shittiest apartment complex in town and you're in the hood and you're barely scraping by, they're like, all right, I'm going to have to put up with some shit. It's what it is. It's where I'm at in life. I've been there, literally. So I'm not judging. I'm not looking down. I'm saying like, that's what it is. Like you expect to deal with a certain level of bullshit when you live in a place like that. And, but these people, you know, have families, older folks, whatever may have you. You know, I own these million dollar homes and they're having to deal with shit that you'd expect to deal with, like living in the slums, the ghetto, the hood, whatever you call it. It's wild and it's kind of fucked up. You know what? I'm going I'm to wrap this one up and I'm going to come back because it's like a transition. I'm going to get into the causes 
that first was just kind of my introductory. This episode was part, or this part, you know, was introductory, letting you know how bad the problem was, like letting, seeing my, my eyewitness accounts and just like letting you know how crazy it is, the homeless problem, you know, out here in the Bay Area and California in general. I'm going to go into two next parts. One, like the causes. Like this isn't just me complaining. That was like, that's what it started off as. But I'm going to move past that into like causes of homelessness. And then like solutions I think could be moving forward. This isn't just a rant, complaint, shit on the homeless. I just had to establish how bad it was. Or else this whole episode would be pointless if I if you think I'm just talking about the classic old school hobo with the sack over his shoulder and I'm just being an asshole. Like I had to establish how bad this problem was. So I'm gonna come back with causes of homelessness and then I'll get into you know what I think possibly could be solutions moving forward. Thanks to everybody that's tuned in. Here's cheers to episode 20 of Dreadful Talk. Thanks for everybody tuning in, listening, watching, however you're consuming Dreadful Talk. Thank you so much. This week's topic, kind of a weird one, but something I felt strongly about and I wanted to get into with um, with you guys. And that's um, homelessness and mainly like the crisis that faces the Bay Area and Los Angeles. Specifically, I'm talking about the Bay Area. That's where I'm currently at. Currently in San Jose where it's hot as fuck in late October. It's 86 degrees. So you see me keep wiping my sweat. I keep the fan off to avoid, you know, sound interference for y'all listening on the audio. And, um, you know, I... I, uh, it's, it's the Bay Area, so of course the house doesn't have air conditioning, uh, because it was built before global warming. Hot take, yeah, I said it. Yeah, for real though, for real though, if you don't believe in global warming, every, talk to somebody who's lived in the Bay Area since like the 60s and 70s, they'll be like, yeah, you used to not need AC, it never used to be 100, and now it is all the fucking time. So, it's all good, I got my little sweat stains on my do-rag, got my, my little sweat rag, hey. I'm, I'm grinding through it for y'all, so it, it's all good. Wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Bay Area homelessness. I, on part one, I, you know, got into just like so, how bad it is and some of my firsthand accounts of how bad it is. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it pushing, move on from that. I don't want to beat a dead horse and I don't want to just like have this be a podcast about shitting on homeless people. I want to get to causes and then I want to get to solutions. So we're going to kind of get to some nuts and bolts here, some actual facts, and move away from just my opinions. So kind of try to keep it balanced here. Um, so you may ask, Dom, dreadful talk Dom, why are there so many homeless people in the Bay Area? Why is it so bad there specifically? Um, and that's what I want to get into on this segment of the podcast is the why, you know, the causes, you know, like... Um, we already established what it is, so how did it get here? You know, how did it get, we get this far down this road? And uh, so, and I, I remember my mom actually, because my mom grew up in the in San Jose her whole life. Um, you know, I don't want to give out her age, she might get mad at me, but she, she's been here for a minute, well before the tech boom, and, and you know, she's an OG, you know, San Jose uh, native. and. Um, and she would always tell me that it got bad 
Cause we, I don't know. I was the type. I'm a weird kid. I would ask about this type of shit. My mom was a cool mom, and we would have these kind of difficult kind of conversations about kind of just society and things like homelessness. And um, I, I would you know ask her why is it? Cause we would come out here to visit from Oklahoma, and you wouldn't see any homeless people in Oklahoma back then in in the early 2000s. And uh, and out here, you know, it wasn't as bad as it is now, but it's always been plenty. And I, when my mom would always tell me like. Uh, my mom, and, and so my mom hates Ronald Reagan. My mom's like a staunch Democrat, um, you know, former deadhead, just, you know, uh, very left-wing, you could say. And so I always kind of take her shit with a grain of salt, you know, um, and I don't want to be like the water boy, just like regurgitating things my mom told me. Like, my, 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 my mom said, my mom said, no, I'm not trying to do that to y'all, but just check it out. I'm going somewhere with this, so. My mom would always tell me, like, yeah, like, fucking Reagan back in the 80s, you know, he closed all the mental hospitals, and that's when all the homeless people started popping up. And, I, you know, that made sense, you know, I was like, you know, it wasn't the worst answer, but like I said, I, I didn't want to just take it at face value and and just be like the water boy. My mama said, this is why it happened, but I, I mean, the more you look into it and the more... Um, you know, you talk to other, you know, San Jose natives and Bay Area natives and people that have, you know, been alive long enough to see from, you know, from start to finish where, how we ended up where we are. Um, that's a very common thing that not just my mom says. Now, there is counter arguments to that, but it's not just my mom. Like, it's pretty widely held consensus. And it is a fact, like under, before Ronald Reagan was president, he was governor of California. And before that, he was in movies. So, yeah, fuck politics. But, uh, so when Ronald Reagan was, when, when I'm talking about Reagan doing this, it was, it was as a governor, not as president. Um, and when Reagan was governor of California back in the 80s, um, you can look up exactly which years in the 80s, but I know it was in the 80s. Um, he did, in fact, he was part of the administration that shut down, a, like, a bunch of mental health facilities in the state of California. The kind of ironic part of all this is because that, like I said, my mom's surface level answer was correct in some, in a lot of ways that when Ronald Reagan closed the mental facilities, a lot of the homelessness spiked. But what people don't kind of get, dig a little bit deeper and find out that it was actually like the... I want to say the ACLU, which is a, like the uh, Civil Liberties Union. It's like a, uh, like they do a lot of like civil rights cases. They do a lot of good things, and but they are very essentially left wing, and outright. And um, they, um, they were actually the reasons why the 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 mental health hospitals got shut down because they were saying that they were like inhumane. And in a lot of ways, they were like those people didn't have full rights because um, their mental disabilities. So like the state like got to literally make every decision for them. It was a lot closer up to a prison than it was a hospital. Um, so there were some kind of valid reasons and valid points that they got shut down. And like I said, the the, uh, the ACLU actually had a lot to do with that, but everybody likes to, you know, just blame Reagan. But Reagan was governor when it all happened. And it takes two to tango, so it's really both sides as that happened. But it's just interesting. So I kind of dug a little deeper and found that out. Not as 
commonly talked about talking point. Um, so I wanted to talk about it here on my show, um, Dreadful Talk. So, yeah, so in the 80s, regardless of who you want to blame, the ACLU or Reagan or, or, or even say that it was Justin, that they needed to be shut down. The fact of the matter is in the 80s, a lot of mental health institutions in California shut down. And, and very shortly after was the very beginning of this, you know, crescendo of where, how we got to where we are today. Huge, huge, um, you know, talking point. So what else happened in the 80s? Right when all these mentally unstable, financially insecure, um, you know, very vulnerable, vulnerable people get released and have freedom for the first time, sometimes in some cases ever. What's hitting the streets, especially here in California? This is the main place that was popping off. What's that crack? The crack epidemic. What else? AIDS, the AIDS epidemic especially here in the Bay Area. So right whenever all these people that have never had freedom or, you know, mentally incompetent, a lot of just a wide range of scenarios that get released just onto the streets at the same time as crack and AIDS. Yeah, recipe for disaster, as you can imagine. What, what follows in the 90s? You know, AIDS is still pretty goddamn big, especially in the early 90s. And then also in the 90s, meth came along, especially here in the Bay Area. So, and, and you know, what, what is meth is even cheaper than crack and, and the high lasts longer. Um, so, it's just kind of wave after wave. First it was the 80s, then the 90s came. And then it kind of just smoothly transitions into the opiate epidemic of modern day. Uh, and how I talk about San Francisco, you're playing hopscotch over heroin needles. Like, sounds like, like an alternative band name or some shit. But for real, hopscotch over heroin needles, I like, it's not that much of an exaggeration. I was leaving a concert um, at the Civic Center up there, the Graham Civic Center. And I was actually fucking tripping balls on acid, which made this not fun at all. But there was just heroin needles everywhere. And no, I wasn't imagining the heroin needles because I was on acid. But I was not handling the fact that there was heroin needles everywhere. Well, at all, because I was on acid. And, and, but and it, that's where I get the term playing hopscotch over heroin needles. Like, that stuck in my head that night. That might have been the acid, whatever. But facts. Still facts. Me being high, nothing to do with the actual facts of the matter. And there's heroin needles everywhere so like i said just from crack to meth to heroin and now fentanyl and mind you it's not like when the new drugs came the old drugs went away so it's just more drugs so like there's still crack there's still meth trust me but now you got this fentanyl and all this shit too and and, and all the yeah so in the opiate crisis so drugs so mental health and drugs i mean that's not any shock everybody knows that mental health and drugs has a lot to do with homelessness but i kind of wanted to just get to actual some facts and um yeah yeah i'm sure it's the same in seattle i'm sure it's, yeah in some ways it's probably worse in seattle and like uh, exactly the west coast um these, these problems are very prevalent on the west coast yeah portland as well um and and so yeah mental health and drugs but like i said i kind of wanted to kind of just dive a little deeper into like kind of the nuts and bolts of the um, 
the drugs. Speaking of drugs, let me do some drugs. Just kidding, cannabis isn't a drug, silly rabbit. Another, and it's, some will say this is an oversimplification, but it's, it's facts. Another reason why there's so much homelessness in California and really the whole West Coast, weather. Facts. Um, much, like, just, like, from an actual, like, logistical surviving outdoors, like, Los Angeles in the Bay, it's kind of hard to beat it. Um, not a lot of rain, no snow, does get a little chilly at night, especially in San Francisco, it gets pretty damn cold, but... And like foggy, but like as far as snow, like compared to New York snow and compared to like Philly and all those East Coast, Washington, D.C. Um, and then it also, I said, this is kind of changing with global warming, but traditionally it didn't get that hot here either. And in San Francisco, it usually still doesn't get as hot here in San Jose. San Jose gets pretty goddamn hot. Um, but it is an arid heat, as in, uh, to ask somebody who lived in Oklahoma and, and like experienced humidity, the arid heat actually does help um, sweat a lot less. And so just the weather, the climates, um, big reason, big reason why a lot of, a lot of homeless, you know, come here. Um, you know, I, as somebody said, I'm originally from Norman, Oklahoma, and, um, pretty close to Oklahoma city. And it, it essentially would be impossible to be homeless there. I mean, it, it happens, but on a way, way lesser scale. Cause I mean, like in Oklahoma, in the wintertime, you have snow, you have ice storm, freezing rain. I mean, it's high winds, low temperatures. It's gnarly. Like, you essentially couldn't survive. You would need, like, some pretty goddamn high-level sleeping bags and equipment and shit. Um, but I'm sure they go to, like, shelters and shit on those nights, hopefully. But uh, And then, uh, you know, coming out of winter, you get spring. What's that? Like, severe tornadoes. Like, some of the worst tornadoes in the world. Um, and then you get summer. And summer is, like, hot as fuck, triple digits with, like, 90% humidity up sometimes in Oklahoma. Um, it, it, it's bad. Um, you couldn't even sit on that cement sidewalk uh, out there in that heat. You'd be a burn, like, actual third-degree burns. Uh, so, like, uh, you compare that to the weather here in the Bay Area, I mean, it would be a no-brainer. Um, and this is something that's, like, super fucked up. Like, I'm not on board with this at all. A lot of cities give their homeless people a one-way bus ticket to California. Just, they literally, like, export their homeless here. Like, other cities, like Indianapolis and, I think, Chicago. Like, other, other, other places. I'm sure Oklahoma City, Dallas. They will, like, give homeless people. And I don't know if it's the police. I don't know if it's the actual government. I don't know exactly, you know what the exact nuts and bolts of it are, but it's a fact. It's a real fact. Other cities give their homeless one-way bus tickets to either Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle or Portland or, um, uh, yeah, it's real. Like, that's what a real thing cities do. And, like, I'm sure they try to do it under the guise of, oh, we're, you know, providing them a transportation and if they may have family out there. Like, I'm sure there's a million ways they rationalize it. But they're export. They're just getting. They're passing the buck. They're just sending them on west. Like, like, and then it just creates this like culture of homelessness, and that it's like acceptable and shit out here. 
but that's another big thing. Like, 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 I would love to see, like, an and there's no way to probably accurately get this data, but I would love to see if there's some, I'll be like a pie, a pie graph of, like, the percentage of Bay Area homeless that were actually born in the Bay Area. Like, I bet it's a small amount. Like, real talk. Like, I bet it was a small amount. Also, I wanted to briefly shout out that South Park episode. Like, there's literally South Park made an episode about the one-way bus tickets. Like, uh, like there was a bunch of homeless in South Park, and, like, Cartman devises a scheme to, like... And then they made, they remixed the song, Tupac song, California Love. And they're like, California, great place to be homeless. California, great place to be homeless. It's like Cartman. It's really hilarious. I love that episode. But that's, like, legit what happens, like... You know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they are, or it might be Matt Parker and Tristan, whatever. They, the creators of South Park, they're genius. They hit the nail on the head. Like, they count, they called that out. That's a real thing. Other cities just, like, ship their homeless people to California. That's a real thing. Um, and, and this is on my list, but it's, this is, I think it's overhyped. I think everything else I listed, like, it's not necessarily in order, but it kind of is, like, this is, I don't think, as big of a reason, but, like, the news and the media, like, this is the reason they try to push, and they try to say that, like, the cost of living is why there's so much homeless, and it makes sense, right, like, on face value, like, it's insanely hard to get housing here in the Bay Area, like, that is a fact, but I just, I, I don't think that, at, like, if you, like, once again, if I could have a pie graph of the homeless population, like, what percentage of the homeless population, like, used to be, like, land or property owners in the Bay Area, but they got priced out, or even renters, and, and they just couldn't afford their rent anymore in the apartment that they already were holding down steadily, and they just got priced out. It wouldn't be 0%. Like, that, it would be a slice. Like, that happens to people, but I think it would be a smaller slice than, like, the news and the California politicians and shit would lead you to believe. I think... Most of these homeless are from out of town, and they never really had an apartment to lose or, or, or owned a house and got priced out. I, I don't think, I think that would be a small percentage of the graph. The graph. And you notice I'm saying I think. I'm, I'm, this is conjecture. I don't have any evidence. I'm just like, from, I'm, I'm telling, I, I'm willing to, like, I would bet. Like, that's my thoughts on the matter. And, and yeah, so like I said, I'm not, I don't get it confused. I'm not, I, you know saying I have all the, the facts. I'm just, just letting you know, you know, what I think on the matter. But to get into that cost of living, because it is an issue. It is an issue. But like I said, I just, like I said, if there was a pie graph of all the homeless in the Bay Area, what percentage of those people were just on point, holding down an apartment, just on their shit, had a house, whatever, and then this, the rent got too much, and now they're homeless. Like, I think that's a small, small slice of the pie chart. Um, but the cost of living, and I just looked this up on Facebook Marketplace two days or real time. And this is for San, San Jose, not San Francisco, not Oakland, but in San Jose, in the South Bay. These are the prices of living right now. So just to rent a bedroom off of Craigslist, like somebody else's apartment, somebody else's house, a lot of times you don't even have access to the kitchen or living room and can't have company over. Like a lot of times there's a bunch of fucking rules. It's crazy that people even agree to it, but they, a lot of times they don't have a choice. 1200 a month for a room with like jail rules. I shit you not. I, I was close to doing it too. Luckily I never got to that point, but 1200 a month. 
$1,200 in where I'm from in Oklahoma will get you like a three-bedroom house. Probably more. Probably something dope. Oh, okay. You don't want to live with somebody else. You want your own spot. The next level is studio. And when they say studio out here, they mean studio. Like this whole fucking thing will be the size of a living room. They'll just fit like a, a, a kitchen and a bathroom. It's it's crazy. It's like a bedroom that's an apartment. It, it's it's so small. So small. And you're looking at at least $1,500. Like honestly, if you find a, a studio for fifteen. It, it, you, you, that's actually a pretty goddamn good deal. Like I may hop on that. Um, a one bedroom, um, you're looking at bare minimum sixteen hundred, and that's probably in the hood. Like you're probably dealing with gangs and even worse homelessness and drugs. Like it's sixteen hundred in the hood. Anything nicer, you're looking at goddamn close to two. If you want something dope, you're looking at two easily for a one bedroom. That's thousand. Um, and then a two bedroom. Is, is at least two thousand. You're not even starting the conversation for less than two thousand a month. Um, and like I said, that's off Facebook Marketplace this morning in San Jose, South Bay area. So it's gnarly. It's gnarly. I got family out here. I've been fortunate. I, you know, I I I've, I haven't had to really pay full Bay Area price really ever since I've been here. Um, well, actually, I mean, I was paying. A thousand for a room, but it wasn't like the whole Craigslist situation. Like we had full access to the kitchen and living room and could do what we want. And there wasn't no weird rules. So like that was considered a deal. Like that was dope. We hopped on it. It was a thousand for a room, um, but it was kind of more than a room, but it, we, we hopped on it. Um, and that's still not including bills, y'all. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So the cost of living is a factor in homelessness, but my two cents is that it's overblown as far as like the actual reason. Um, and then there's this other, I think this is an undersold narrative. So that's why I want to spend some time on it. So I, when I first, first moved to Bay Area, I just got the first job, literally the first place that would hire me. I just wanted some employment. Um, and so I got a job at Big Five Sporting Goods. Um, for those that are not in California, it's kind of like Academy or like it's not nearly as big as Dick's, but it's like a small sporting goods store. You can get shoes and workout gear and bikes and shit like that. Um, and, the, and camping equipment, which leads me to this. So like when I was working there, there was like this homeless dude came in, but he was like with this like. Don't want to judge anybody, but essentially she was dressed up like a prim, proper, old, rich, white lady. And then she had this, like, ragtag homeless dude with her. And, uh, I know I was, like, I was actually helping them. Like, uh, I was on the floor, and I was helping them find the stuff they needed. And I didn't really ask these questions, but I, I don't know if there's a look on my face. And she just felt the need to explain. But she was like, yeah, you know, I um, this is my son, and... You know, I'm I'm well off, and I would gladly take care of him. And um, he has a room at my house that he can have at any time. But this is just how he likes to live. And so she was like lacing him up with all the dopest camping gear. Like this fool was getting hooked the fuck up. Like she just like, and he was a grown ass man, like like probably you know forties. Uh, and and uh, she was just buying him all the dopest sleeping bags and tents and. And he's probably chilling right now on some San Jose City street corner, uh, 
and just living it up. Got got everything he needs. Uh, and she said, you know, sometimes he'll come set up a tent in her backyard or whatever. But like, my point is the sto- the point of the story is people choose this life. And not all of them. And I don't want. Like I said, I do not want to paint with a broad brush here. But real talk, it's. People do. People just like opt out on society. Like, I don't want to work 40 hours a week. I don't I don't want to pay bills. I don't want debt. I don't want to be in this system. I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to follow these laws, these rules. I think like these for some people. And, it, and I, I, are you like, are you describing suicide? It's like it's like an opt in a different way of opting out than suicide. It's like. So not everybody's suicidal, but they just they can't play this game or work this system, and that's what I mean. I kind of feel them on that. Like I can see the rationale there, like uh, like the whole hamster wheel, like you know, like our culture just it's it's rough and it is unfulfilling and it is you know not a lot of a lot of people don't like it, but we just do it anyway because we don't want to be homeless. But there's people. Who just like make an actual conscious decision to be homeless. Like, like I said, I'm, and it's not all of them, and it's not, it, but it exists. And it's like, I feel like it's under, it's not talked about, and it's like, they act like it's an anomaly. But there's people that just like, they don't want a job. They just want to just chill and be a scumbag all day, or do drugs, or just not pay bills, or they don't even mind being outside as long as they can get fucked up all day and not pay bills. And, that exists. Like those people out there are like that's actually like a real thing. Like that's that's an actual that's an actual thing. Um so so yeah, like so those are like essentially a lot of the major causes for homelessness, like the actual reasons. Like the so now we're gonna get to what I think could be some actual solutions. Because like I said, I don't wanna just like complain like like, let's work towards something here. Like, let's use this time to be productive. Like, let's flush out some ideas. Um, nothing's better for flushing out ideas than a nice bowl of some cannabis. You grew yourself. And so, like... And this is this, so earlier I said something that I said oh, the liberals are probably going to hate. And now this is probably going to be the part that like the, the right wingers are going to hate. And like I think the first and foremost solution here is a reimagined and well-funded mental health institutions. Um, I know that's easier said than done. But like I said, the old mental health institution that everybody shits on Reagan for closing down, they were they they had some a lot of problems and they were a lot of ways not humane and and like I said, the ACLU is the ones that wanted them shut down and, and um, I know generally society typically sides with the ACLU like they they were fighting for their rights in there. Um, so that's that's the main word reimagine now. Like they need to have some level of like decision making or like they need to like lower the threshold for people who can't make decisions on their own you know what i mean like obviously some people exist that aren't capable of making decisions for themselves and if they don't have a mother or a son or whatever that the state may have like that those people exist that the state may have to make decisions for but let's not paint with such a broad stroke there like let's 
leave, give these people some freedom, some liberty, some rights, some human rights, and, and, and some, but still have a place, you know, for them to be. Uh, like some people are not mentally capable, you know. And I'm and and I'll say I'm not talking about, you know, these these new day soft ass people, you know, where they get an anxiety attack because Starbucks is out of macchiatos. Like, you know, we all like, like certain anxiety is real. And, and like, but there's also people, there's people, what I'm saying, like there's, there's levels to this shit. Like it's a spectrum. We all struggle with some level of mental health. We've all been depressed. We've all been stressed out. We've all had anxiety. We've all been nervous. We've all not liked our physical appearance. We've all you know, just not had our head in the right place before, but there's levels. There's people that just can't manage it, that they can't power through it. They can't overcome it. And, um, and it's, and it's, and it's, and they need, they need a place for people like that. And there used to be, now they were severely flawed. That like, that's where it comes. It's reimagined. They need more freedoms. They need more rights. They need to be treated better. But they need, like, a place where they can go get treatment and be, you know, looked after. Like, there's people that exist in society that need to be looked after. Um, and a lot of these homeless people would fall into that category if there was a place for them like that they could go. And then this is... And, and apparently, I just learned this because I was kind of researching this lately... This used to be an idea, and it was shut down. But there used to be an actual thing. I'm pretty sure this was a real thing. I don't know if it was in San Jose, but places have tried this, and it was thought of to be, like, inhumane or whatever. And, like, they need to, like I said, reimagine this, like, improve it. But I really think this is a good solution. There needs to be, like, city-regulated land, like... Since it's on the outskirts of town or whatever, like a nice chunk of wide open land, like essentially, like you call it a campground, call it whatever you want to call it, but for the homeless, like because, like I said, they're setting up homeless camps everywhere here in California, in Los Angeles, in the Bay, like full blown Hoovervilles, tent cities, shanty towns, whatever word you want to describe it with. It's happening here in California, and I'm sure in other cities too. And and I get it. Like they in their mind, they gotta go somewhere. Like they're like they need shelter. Like like I I, I get it. But like instead of having under every single bridge, under every overpass, on every cul-de-sac, on every side of every highway, how about there's just like an actual designated spot? And then obviously, you know, you can imagine how much of a shit show that would be if they were just like left to their own devices. And that's where the reimagining comes in. On site, there needs to be health care. And, and, and that could be imagined different ways, whether you want to call it a medic tent or something as severe as an actual like on site hospital, full blown hospital. However, it's funded, maybe a gradual build from one to the other, but whatever. They need on site health care. So, like I said, it's not just them out in the wilderness, like, Darwin, like, you know, survival of the fittest. Like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying here. They just need a, a, a land to get them off of these other places. Like, they're places they shouldn't be. They need a, but the, they, they, I say there's a place they shouldn't be because there's quite literally no place that they should be. 
I get that. And that's what I think this offers a solution to is that they actually have a place. So that way, if you're telling them you don't want them on your cul-de-sac and they're like, well, where the fuck do you want me to go? Like, oh, where you're supposed to go. Like right now, as we sit today, there's no supposed to go place. Like there's literally no place for these people. So they get in where they fit in. I feel that. I'm not shitting on that. Like, I, that makes sense to me from their perspective. That's what I'm saying. This, if they have like a designated spot, they could go set up tents, build whatever they want to build. Like just like land, a wide open land. And they have health care. They also have police. Like they have their own, whether it be park rangers or actual police or just security. Because there's homeless women. There's homeless kids. Like, we don't need them getting, you know, raped and harassed and, and, and you know, like, like, and I'm not saying they need to be police, like, what we think of police, like, you know, like, kicking down their doors and searching for drugs. Like, no. Like, I, and then I think maybe if you could do a thing where drugs are decriminalized in that zone or whatever, but whatever, that starts to get pretty murky, I'll be real. Uh, but, like... You know what I'm saying? Like, like police to actually, like, the original intended job of policing, which was protect and serve. I think we've gotten pretty far from that, but protecting and serving those homeless people. I do believe they deserve protection, especially the women and children or just anybody. It shouldn't just be, like, Robin and whoever the biggest, baddest homeless guy takes over as, like, a warlord. That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to just, like, order, you know, law and order. Uh, maybe like an on-site food, on-site food bank, on-site soup kitchen, like like just just because like, we already have them. They're all like there's a bunch of food banks, but they just just like a centralized one, where so these people ain't starving. Showers, restrooms, plumbing, all like 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 you know, even if it's poor, whatever, safe places for them. Like like it's humane. Like, there's people that want to live outside. There's people that don't want to pay rent. They don't want to hold down a job. They want to be able to do drugs. They, like, they, 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 they just, everybody's like, oh, give them an apartment and a job at McDonald's and they'll pull themselves up from them bootstraps. Like, they could have done that. They chose not to. Like, they, like, the, like I hate that solution. They're like, give these people jobs and housing. Yeah, there's some that would like that. And, and, and those, you know, them the good ones, essentially. And God bless them. And, you know, I, I, maybe they will pull themselves up from the bootstraps. But there is a large percentage of those homeless people who just, like, checked out. Like, they opted out on, like, society. On, like, this thing that we all do. Like, this survival. Like, like our system. Like, they have their own system. They live outside. They get it how they live. They do what they do. It's a whole other world. And we keep trying to be like, oh, here's a job at fucking Carl's Jr. And aren't you fucking thankful? And they're like, no, fuck this. I want to go be homeless. There's and like, and it, and if that's controversial or if that blows people's minds or if that shocks people, like I'm telling you, going back to the whole pie graph, like that would be a fat chunk of homeless people that are just like, yo, like this is just the way I live. This is my lifestyle. It's a lifestyle for some people. And and they need a place to safely do that, legally do that, or else they end up on the side of our highways and under our bridges and at the end of our cul-de-sacs. And that leads me to my next point.
Because right now, it's real murky with, like, how to police the homeless, like, especially here in the Bay Area. Like, it's gotten real bad in San Francisco. You can't even, like, call the police about homeless people anymore, which is ridiculous because, I don't know, as I've said on the last part, how they're really aggressive and dangerous and how I felt threatened. And if I wasn't a strong, young buck, then I may have found myself in some trouble. These homeless people up there in San Francisco, no fucking joke, for real. Like, they're the real deal. And you can't even call the police on them up there. It's pretty fucked up, for real. Like, if my mom was living up there or something, I would be so terrified. When I first got together with my wife, Nina, she was living up there. And I moved around with me pretty goddamn quick for reasons like that. I saw how it was up there in her neighborhood. Like, you don't need to be up there. You're coming out here with me. But, um, so what I'm getting at is right now it's fucked up. Because if you call the police on them, it's like, well, where am I supposed to go? But that's what I'm saying. Like, if there was a place that they could go and should go, then, like, the moral murkiness of policing, it takes a lot of that away. Because, like, it's like, yo, you have a place that you legally could and should be, and you're not there. So, like, you can't be here. So, like, therefore, you're in trouble for being here. But if you say you're in trouble for being here when there's nowhere that they can go, that's fucked up. And I get it. And that's where a lot of these quote unquote liberal policing problems, policies come from. But if they're like, if there was a place that they could and should be, then you could crack downs on the ones that's in the wrong spots under the bridges, at the cul-de-sacs, all that. And these people with million dollar homes that live across the street from Hoovervilles, they could like clean that up essentially without feeling bad because it's like there's actual, like you ain't supposed to be here, you're supposed to be there and you're still here. It's like now it's a choice. It's not necessity, it's a choice and it's a wrong choice. But as of now, I'm saying I get it, it's necessity. Um... You kind of kill two birds with one stone. Just we got to address this opioid crisis. Like if you're a doctor, quit fucking handing out Oxycontin to every goddamn person that gets surgery. Like it's okay to be sore for a fucking couple days if you get caught open. Like what do you think you're going to not be sore? Like that's our society. We can't be sore. It can't hurt. Like fucking some shit hurts, man. Sometimes you got to be in a little bit of fucking pain and not get goddamn hooked on Oxycontin and opiates. Fucking A, man. They just fucking hand out them pills, man. Sometimes you got... And I know some people need them, but sometimes shit hurts, man. Sometimes, you know, you'll be good in a week. You know what I mean? Sometimes it ain't always need... You need Oxycontin, you know, or Vicodin or whatever the fuck. They hand them shits out too easily. They got to address that. Um, and, and, man, this street fentanyl, man, that shit is, is a whole monster. I don't know that kind of get the worms back in that can. That's a can of worms right there, that fentanyl. But uh, it's bad out here and really everywhere. And That's like the universal, the big cities, small towns, rural, that fentanyl everywhere. And it directs, you know, it's totally tied in with this whole homeless situation, intertwined for sure. Um, and then this is another thing that'll piss off the right-wingers. And uh, I guess... Left-wingers, too, since y'all fuck with Biden, because Biden don't want universal health care. So I guess shout out Bernie Sanders. I think universal health care would, like, a side consequence of it would be, like, it would help the homeless a lot. Like, you hear about those people, you know, they, they, they're uninsured and they have, like, a surgery that costs $100,000 because they break their leg or whatever the fuck. And then they end up homeless, um... 
There's a lot of homeless people. I think about it, people uninsured, poor people that like they maybe there's something keeping them from working an injury that if they had health care, they could get fixed and get back to work. Like, like I, I, like I said, going back to the pie chart, I think it would be kind of a small part of the pie chart, but I think that's something that would help a lot. Like, a lot of just, even if they're not homeless, people on the verge of homelessness um, that's like are holding on by a thread, that universal health care could be, you know, what separates them from being the next person at the end of your cul-de-sac or the next person, you know, building building a shanty, you know, for real. Like, if they have just that extra little layer of security. And then, there could easily be some kind of government incentive program for getting people off the streets. Like, because that money is going to be spent on that person, regardless, whether it's in jail or on other homeless assistance programs. Like, how about, like, if you're a homeless person... And you get an apartment, or you get you you get off the streets like in your own volition. The government gives you a thousand dollars a month, like UBI, just to keep you off the streets. Because I think that there's a lot of people that kind of float, and they're kind of in between, and they'll kind of get their shit together for a few months, or maybe even a year, and then it falls through, and then they can't get another spot or whatever. I think there's a lot of kind of like those people hovering. I think if there's like government incentives for like homeless people that get off the streets and like for the ones that do want to pull get their shit together and pull themselves up by the bootstraps like some like thousand dollars a month or extra boost to their food stamps or just any kind of incentive you know just like like a reward a reward a, a hand up not a handout you know what i mean uh, i think that would go a long way um but yeah, that's going to honestly kind of wrap up episode 20 of Dreadful Talk. Like I said, this was kind of a unique one. Um, we'll get back to having some guests real soon. Um, you know, I said I had a guest back out last minute, kind of had to pivot to this topic. But it's something I do care a lot about. And it wasn't just like a desperation grasping at straws topic. Like, this is something I feel strongly about. And it's murky and it's ugly and it's uncomfortable and... And, and, you know, those are the things that, you know, you can use a, a platform like a podcast to, to, you know, bring light to and to discuss. Um, and, yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, thank you to the sponsor, Zach Brown. Thank you. Shout out Denton Visuals for these badass T-shirts. Love them. Um, you can find Dreadful Talk on videos only on YouTube. Dreadful Talk Podcast. Go subscribe. You can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, if for the audio version. You just want to listen while you're at work, whatever. I feel it, man. Hit, hit up your boy. But thank you so much. Also, follow me on Instagram at DreadfulTalkDom. Thanks so much, everybody. That's episode 20 of Dreadful Talk.